Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Advent season at Eagle. If you're a guest with us, we're especially glad that you're here. As you saw from that little video there, we're talking about overcome and talking about how the themes of Advent and peace, overcoming anxiety and hope today, overcoming despair. And next week, we'll be talking about love, overcoming hate. And then Christmas Eve, we'll be talking about how his joy helps overcome fear. And it's all rooted in what Romans 12, 21 says, you overcome evil with good, and Jesus came and brought good into this world. So we're glad you're a part of this journey with us. And yesterday, uh, around 11 o'clock or so, there was a whole bunch of us from Eagle who were gathered. Here's a picture where we were at. We are on the near west side with City Life, and we were attempting to overcome some things to be a blessing and help some folks in the near west side, 10th Street and kind of Michigan Road area. City Life is one of our mission partners and working with Danny Marquez. And we were at Hawthorne Community Center. There's probably 40 or so Eagle folks who were there serving. We prepared a meal and uh, served them some food. And then uh, we had some families from the neighborhood area come. And 37 kids, because you gave many gifts, 37 kids were able to have their parents wrap up some gifts and we were to help wrap gifts with them, and then they took those gifts home and put them under their tree. So from the kid's perspective, it'll give the picture of it coming from mom and dad and not coming from somewhere else, right? Isn't that a really cool thing? So I wanna give a shout out. Tom, Chef, Dan, uh, Brown, Abby, Avery. Would you guys, where are you? Would you stand up if you're in here? And so many others who served. Just give a round of applause for all those who helped out, did a great job. So there's a whole bunch. If you're looking to get a little more linked up with City Life Mission stuff, you can see any of those folks, Tom or Dan or Abby or uh, Christy Frampton or any of these folks who were linked up down there. Just a really cool ministry going on. And we're just trying to shed some light and make a difference in an area of our city that could use some more hands down there helping out. And it was really cool part of the Christmas spirit. And the goal wasn't just to wrap some gifts and have a meal, but the goal was all the interaction and conversation as I thought, you know, Jan and Vonda there like in the gift wrapping thing, such a great picture of really what happened because we left there knowing some names. You know, there's power in a name. You know that person's name and with that name comes a story and they know your name. And who knows what God might do with just that start right there, right? So that was a really cool part of the day. And speaking of giving and giving back, if you didn't hear a couple weeks ago, we had a family who stepped forward at the church and gave a $250,000 gift to help us burn our mortgage. So this is a huge step forward. It's a matching gift. So as you're praying about your year-end giving, here's what you can be praying about. Every dollar you would give to the facility fund will be doubled. So they're gonna match it dollar for dollar up to 250,000. So that would get us a half a million dollars towards, we're around 615,000 or so left. So the finish line is there. And how cool is that, that God's got us in this spot. And so I know many of you are praying about your year-end giving. You designate it to the facility fund and every dollar is doubled thanks to the generosity of a family doing that. So that's a really cool way to wrap up this year, huh? That's pretty cool. So good job. Lastly, before I pray and we jump into the message, we are going to be doing a discipleship class. It's kind of, a, I'm declaring 2018 the year of discipleship for Eagle Church. So as you're looking ahead to a new year and you're saying, hey, it's time to step up into some spiritual growth initiatives. You want to take a step up and a step out on some fronts personally in your walk. I want to invite you to a Wednesday night class that I'll be leading. 
starting January 17th. It's going to be from 7 to 8.30. It's going to go eight Wednesday nights. And you can sign up by get, going online or on the app, which is what's up here on the screen. And it's going to be 60 people. We're going to have to cap it at 60 by just the physical room uh, setup. And I met this morning with our 10 table leaders. Let me just tell you, outstanding table leaders you're going to have. I think this is going to be a transformational class. It's going to be a significant part of what God is doing with our church, not only individually, but collectively as a body. So I want to encourage you, prioritize it. There'll be child care provided. And I think you will not be sorry if you carve out these eight weeks and join us on this journey. So sign up even right now while you're pulling out your phones and firing up the app and let us know if you're planning on being a part of that and we'll get you linked up that way. All right, let's pray as I get ready to jump in here for our second week. Jesus, thank you so much for yesterday, what we experienced together as a body, for all those families we got to meet uh, with City Life. Thank you for Danny and the great work that they're doing there. Thanks for everyone who gave and served. Thanks for the generosity of a family, Lord, who would give so substantially to help us burn our mortgage. A big so that is so that we can bless and give a lot more away than we've ever been able to do. So thank you so much for the encouragement that brings this body. And uh, we're so grateful, Lord, for the ways you're leading us. We're, we're just overwhelmed with what you've got in store for us in 2018. And I believe we're going to look back and see and declare it as the year of discipleship. So I pray you take this Wednesday night initiative and do something immeasurably more than we asked, hoped, dreamed, or imagined. And now as we open your word, may this be a day where you lift despair and depression and discouragement by the power of Jesus' hope. Would you do that today in Christ's name? Amen. All right, open up your Bibles. Matthew chapter 19 is where we're going to be at today. Matthew chapter 19. If you haven't pulled out your message notes be a good time for you to do that. So last month, here's a picture of some folks I was having dinner with. I was hanging out at a monastery. As you know, I retreat to those monasteries often around here. And this is a monastery in Beech Grove called, called Our Lady of Grace. And when you walk in the doors, that's the sign you see. So lest you want to know what the agenda of what you're there to do, seek God. <laughs> that's what you walk under as you enter the premises. And uh, currently, there are about 50 women who live there in community. There's been as many as 140 living there in this monastic community, all nuns. And I got to have dinner the first night I was there with Sister Mary, who's 93. And she's been there for 75 years. And Sister Bernadine on my left, who's 89... And she's been there for 70 years. So as I sat, and we we're eating a little salad, and mostly they're vegetarians. That's why they live so. So they're vegetarians, and they pray a ton all day long. So they're going to live a really, really long time, right? So we're just, you know, nibbling on our salad. And I was sitting there reflecting on a combined 145 years of praying and serving mostly in isolation and hiddenness, just blessing some folks here and blessing some folks there and praying and the topics of conversation are just, you, where do you else do you have these kinds of conversations, but only at a setting like that. And, and I was asking them about how I kind of their perspective on just the, the anger that seems to be so strong in our culture and our world these days. I thought, well, these guys will have some really interesting insight into this. And Sister Bernadine said, well, you know, Eric, the way... 140 women have ever learned to live together. 
You ever thought about that? I said, boy, that's a really good thought, right? She said, 140 of us living for long periods of time together. She says, you know, the only way we've been able to do that and not like want to kill each other all the time over and over is that we've learned, she said, two things. We've learned that we have to pray together and we learn how to practice silence together. She says, it's in the praying together and the practicing of silence together that we've learned to be able to love one another with a sense of compassion and grace and patience that it would take, she said, to have all these women living in community together. And I said, well, what do you mean practicing silence together? She says, well, you know, at the end of the evening meal now, we go into a vow of silence as a community because she said, we've learned that our most likely period of time we're gonna sin against one another with our mouth is in the evening. So we just shut it. And she's like nibbling, you know. I was like, isn't that a great picture though? The shooting in Texas had just happened the week prior when I was there. So I asked him, I said, I said, what do you, as you pray for that, and they started to get tears in their eyes and they were starting to cry as they thought about the suffering and the heartache. And Sister Mary said, this one is 93. And I said to Sister Mary, I said, surely you're the oldest member of this community, are you not, sister? She said, oh no, and she points across the dining hall, sister so-and-so over there, she's 98. I said, 98, yeah, she's a real veteran. She said, oh my goodness, 93 pointing to 98, she's the real. Sister Mary said to me, she said, you know, Pastor Eric, it's easy to get kind of caught up in all the evil going on in the world and even what was going on in Texas that week. But then she said this, she said, don't forget to look for the good. She said, as I pray, and she had tears coming down her face, she empathizes with all the heartache and heartbreak that's going on, but she said, do you realize how much good is going on in the world if you just look for it? And then she said this, and she said, and remember, what did Jesus say would get the last word? Evil will not get the last word. Good will get the last word. And she says, that's what I hold on to as I pray. I'm walking away from a dinner like that. That's not like a dinner conversation. <laughs> you know, just amazing 45 minutes we spent together. And as I was leaving the next day, Sister Bernadine found me as um, kind of, we were having the last meal together and she slid in my hand. She came up and she grabbed my hand and she had a wooden cross. Have you seen the wooden crosses that are shaped and rounded? They're kind of designed to go in your hand. And so she slid this wooden cross that slid, kind of slides in my fingers and she clenched my fist around it with hers. And she said, I want you to have this. And I said, I looked down and she says, I've been grabbing a hold of this cross for decades as I pray. She said, I squeeze it really, really hard. And the squeeze on that cross is for you to identify with the sufferings of Jesus because life is really, really hard. And when you hit those places when it's really, really hard, you squeeze this cross and you remember that Jesus is with you and he understands. And then she released her hand. I'm holding this thing. I said, I said, sister, I cannot take this from you. What am I saying? I'm thinking how many thousands of hours of prayer and squeezes her on this cross from this woman's. She says, no, no, I want you to have it. She goes, I'll figure out a way to get another one. I'm sure she will. And I walked away with that.
my hands. You know, Sister Mary and Sister Bernadine, they got a real firm grasp of current realities in their life and in this world. Their feet are planted clearly in current. They do not have their head so far removed from really what's going on here that they don't grasp clearly. But they had a countenance of hope and a, a hopefulness in their words and in their prayers and in their perspective that I walked away and I thought, I think that's what Advent hope is about. With tears streaming down their face, grasping there's plenty of things to get overwhelmed and be in despair about, something was anchoring their soul. So I think the scripture calls Advent hope, Jesus hope. In your notes, I put a quote from Henry Nouwen. Listen to how Nouwen puts this. Our life is a short time in expectation a time in which sadness and joy kiss each other at every moment. There is a quality of sadness that pervades all the moments of our lives. Follow this now. It seems that there is no such thing as a clear-cut, pure joy, but that even in the most happy moments of our existence, we sense a tinge of of sadness. In every satisfaction, there's an awareness of limitations. In every success, every success, there's a fear of jealousy. Behind every smile, there's a tear. In every embrace, there's a loneliness. In every friendship, distance. And in all forms of light, there is the knowledge of surrounding darkness. See, that's Nowen's attempt to kind of define current realities. We've all got a current reality. Every single one of us has kind of a, what's your Christmas 2017? What's current looking like for your Christmas 2017? And some of you in this room put it in the category of never been more joyful, mountaintop, breakthroughs, hallelujah, rejoicing with you. Some folks who have just been handed a new child, others who've just walked the aisle together, amazing moments, current realities, maybe in those mountaintop moments. And but even those mountaintop moments, you follow what now I'm saying? Even in the most successful, maybe you just come through a stretch in your career where you've accomplished something you never imagined you could accomplish. What now I'm saying is even in those moments, as great as they are, there's a there's a lining of incompleteness. Do you follow that? There's kind of an ache of incompleteness even in the best moments of this life. And what is that? What's that driving at? And it's obviously magnified when our currents are less than we want them to be. Some of your current Christmas 2017 in this room, some of you are walking through some things at home that are unraveling to a degree that you never imagined unraveling. Some of you have been sitting beside the bed of a loved one that you've not wanted to say goodbye to in any way, shape, or form in 2017. Some of you have been handed some news on your career front at the end of this year that you didn't think was gonna be handed to you. Some of you have sat with a doctor recently and had a conversation you never imagined you'd have to have with a doctor. Your current, everybody has a current. But here's what Advent promises us. Advent is a bi-directional season. Bi-directional. Advent looks back. Advent looks back at the ways God promised God would send the Messiah. The Father promised the Son would come. And we look back and we remember that he came. He pierced the light, pierced the darkness with his light. 
the babe in the manger came, we look back and we remember. That's an important part of Advent. We'll be doing it all through this month. But this morning, we're going to take the other directional aspect of Advent, and we're going to look ahead. So Advent says, just as God promised that he would deliver, he would bring the Messiah, now we look ahead, and here's what we remember, that Advent says that current is not eternal. That's Advent home. Current, you with me? Your current realities are not the way they're always going to be. Anybody feeling hallelujah on that point? Current is not eternal. Evil and darkness and sin and injustice, they have an end date. Advent says the way things are right now is not the way they're always going to be. What is is not what will be. Are you with me? Current is not eternal, and the Bible calls this. You take two hands, and you grab a hold of that Advent hope, and it becomes an anchor for your soul that can lift you up out of despair and depression and discouragement. That's Advent hope. I defined hope in your notes this way. Hope is a confident expectation that goodness is coming. That's what hope is. Confident expectation that goodness is coming. To say it a shorter way, current is not eternal. God promised, or Jesus promised when he exited, what did he say to his followers? In the same way you saw me go, what did he say? I will come back. That's the forward looking. So today we're going to lift our eyes off of current, and we're going to set them on our eternal, and we're going to let the realities of eternal provide an anchor for our currents. Are you with me? And in that, I believe God can lift us up out of some things that just pull us down. So we're going to start this morning with a prayer that you probably prayed in your household. Um, Being a part of a sports team for so many years, you probably played it, prayed it in a locker room more than you ever want to know. Hunter and I and Justin and I prayed this hundreds and hundreds of times in locker rooms. It's the Lord's Prayer. And there's an amazing sentence at the beginnings of the Lord's Prayer. When it says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, here's the next phrase, your will be done, follow this, on earth as it is. Have you ever just kind of thought about that? I thought about the hundreds of times I've prayed that prayer and go, wait, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You know, my translation of that is, that's Jesus saying, hey, Lord, make up there, come down here. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, up there, come down here, Lord. I'm going to pay Pastor Obvious here for a minute. Down here is not running like up there has come down here yet. Are you with me? Down here is not running to the full measure of when up there comes down here in its full measure. There's splashes of it. Yesterday at the Hawthorne Center, the 40 of us at the Hawthorne Center, we were gathering around. We were sharing a meal together. We were helping some families in need. We were, I was looking at the students, helping those young children. I was looking at the families, wrapping gifts together. I was seeing them walk out to their car, and they had a little bit of a bounce in their step. And you know what we got to see right there? We got to see a little bit of up there coming down here. And just for a couple hours together, you got a little taste of it. But you and I both know when those families walked back into their world, up there's a long way from down here in so much of how things run. 
And that's what Jesus is praying for. And the essence of Advent hope is you grab a hold with two hands on the anchor that one day in its full measure, up there's coming down here. And what is, is not what will be. They say, well, what's that going to look like? This is what Matthew 19 is getting at. Look at Matthew 19. This is kind of our core text for today. Here's what Jesus said, 28 and 29. This is Advent hope language from Jesus. He's telling his followers. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Now, anytime Jesus says that in the scriptures, that's one of those you kind of want to sit up a little bit in your seat and go, hey, he's trying to make a really clear point that they're going to easily miss. And so he's saying, I tell you the truth, comma. Underline this phrase in your Bible. At the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me, will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, who's he speaking about there? The 12 disciples, right? His immediate group of followers there, they're gonna be joining him and reigning and ruling and in glory there together. Verse 29, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Now, I wanna teach you a word today and I'm not going to ask you to pronounce it because I think it could sound pretty ugly with a large body of people trying to say this word. So the renewal, the original word for renewal is in your notes. It's, the Greek is polingenesia. Polingenesia is the word for renewal. And it's a significant word. Why? Because here's what it really means. It means Genesis again. It means beginning again. It means Eden restored Polynesia. This is so significant. Do you see what Jesus is saying? I tell you the truth. Polynesia is coming at the renewal of how many things did Jesus say? At the renewal of all things. Polynesia. What is the beginning? That means Jesus said, hey, one day, right, up there's coming down here. And when up there comes down here in its full measure of glory, it's going to be Genesis 1 and 2 before the fall in the Garden of Eden. He's going to set it back the way it was supposed to be. That's Paul, it's a, the renewal of all things is a reset to the way things are supposed to be. So track with me now, what used to be is the way things are supposed to be, and what Jesus is saying is that's what will be. That's Advent hope right there. So what used to be, Genesis 1-2, Adam and Eve with God and with one another in the cool of the garden. No sin, no evil, no injustice, no darkness. What used to be, is not currently what is, but Jesus says, I promise you that one day it will be. And that's Advent hope. To make up there, come down here. And to describe it a little bit, what we're gonna do this morning is I wanna kinda give three phrases out of Revelation 21, because the Apostle John, he pulled back the curtain on Polynesia, and he said, hey, I wanna give you a window into what that's gonna look like. And Revelation 21 is our window into Genesis again, into Eden restored, into beginning again, into a renewal of all things. So here's Revelation 21, three to five. John says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. You wanna know what the centerpiece of our destiny is? It's all that God is for us in Jesus. Right? I don't know what your vision is of what's to come 
and the life you're going to experience beyond this life, do you know the centerpiece of it all is the glory and majesty of Jesus, God with us? Which does that help you understand why Jesus would have such stern words about those who aren't interested in living this life with God? Why would you want an eternity with him at the center of everything with God? So he created a place where God isn't the center of everything called hell, and so you'll get a natural extension from here to there. So if you want to live your one and only life, not interested in Jesus, pushing God away, pushing the spirit away, not having him at the center of anything, not interested in giving honor to his name. He, if you want to go the, all the way to the end of your one and only life with that, when you stand before him one day, he will give you an eternity of experiencing that. That is called hell. The scripture calls it utter darkness. It's not a place you want to end up being, but some people really struggle with why would God create that? Because in a sense, he's saying, hey, it's an extension of what you've been living out your whole life here. So for the people of Jesus who want God at the center, not perfectly now, it doesn't mean to get this 100% right, it just means at the core of your being, do you desire to live with God and honor God and pursue him? Do you know there's an eternity awaiting you and he's at the center? Polynesia for you, the renewal of all things, is Christ at the center of all. And you get to spend an eternity centered with him. That's called heaven. Renewal, up there, coming down here. That's what John is saying. Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. That's the ultimate expression of the with God life. So we talk often around here about you live 70, 80, 90 years if God gives you a long run on this earth to live life with God here, the with God life here, and then you go to eternity with God life for all of eternity. We're not floating around on clouds playing a harp. That's not what heaven's about. We're gonna be extending, right? We're gonna be reigning and ruling with him. 70, 80, 90 years here is about training for reigning and ruling with him. You're gonna have stuff to do. There's gonna be work to be done. There's gonna be things to advance and you're going to be you and all your glory all the ways God had formed you and shaped you and you'll be with God and he'll be with you do you see that's Polynesia that's Genesis restored Adam and Eve with God with one another no hindrance of sin that's our destiny that's Advent hope now follow this what he says beyond that verse 4 and he will wipe away how many tears every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Who who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Do you see that harkens the same thing Jesus said in Matthew 19? He says, at the renewal of all things, Revelation 21 says, I'm gonna make everything new. This is a declaration of Paul in Genesia. When up there comes down here. And so the language of Revelation 21 I like to think of it this way. I think it's a window into the no longers. If you wanna know what the, the true, like what's really awaiting us on the other side of this life? It's an experience of eternity with the no longers. Did you follow the no longers in that verse? So the first thing he said in those verses is what? No longer any reason to mourn. This is the confident expectation that goodness is coming. Here's the goodness that's coming. Anyone in Jesus, here's your goodness that's coming, guaranteed. You say, how confident can you be that this goodness is coming? Jesus would say, as confident as the cross is bloody and the tomb is empty. That's how confident you can be, that this goodness is coming. And here's the goodness that's coming. There is a, there is a destiny awaiting you in Jesus where there will no longer be any mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. 
No more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, different kind of tears in our destiny. This week I spent time with this family. Many of you know Jerry and Ruthie Rutledge. They're members here and their daughter Monique Klupper and her husband Mike, Mike and Monique Klupper and their kids are also part of this body. And Jerry has been, he's 83, he's been battling cancer for 13 years. It's kind of reached the bones now and it hit a stage. Um, yeah, it's just been a really hard run. So he's, a, he's, a, he's an army, uh, he was a Green Beret, a super tough guy, Purple Heart. They showed me his Purple Heart at his house, are you kidding me? So Green Beret, Purple Heart, 30 plus years in the army, super tough guy and was absolutely convinced he's gonna beat cancer. You know, one of those kind of mindsets, this is not gonna get me, I'm gonna get it type mindset all the way through and fought it admirably. So I went over there uh, this week and we spent an evening where the family had flown in from all, from Arizona, Texas, all kinds of folks in and we were sitting in the living room and Jerry was alert that evening and awake and I said, Jerry, Advent season, I said, I know you're not able to come to church, so I'm bringing church to you. And we're gonna spend the next few minutes, and I said, Jerry, we're gonna talk about a word that you maybe haven't heard before. We're gonna talk about polynesia. And he looked at me like I was from another planet, like many of your faces are looking right now. But we sang some songs together. Ah, oh, tears were flowing as we were singing, and there's Jerry sitting in his recliner, and that recliner right there, just sitting, and he just kind of turned the palms of his hands up as we sang about hope and we sang about grace and we sang about the renewal of all things. And we opened God's word and we let Jesus speak into what is our destiny in him? What about Revelation 21? What about this heir of the no longers? And we prayed together, we cried together, we sang together. And then yesterday I was texting with uh, Monique. I said, hey, how's your dad doing? Just kind of praying for him through the week. And she said, hey, it's, yesterday was a really hard day. He was kind of in that stage where he just wrestling around in the bed, lots of groaning and lots of moaning because he's in so much pain. And many of you have been there beside loved ones. It's just the pain factor had gotten. Uh, so I tried to wrap things up here last night and then drove over to their house about 8.30 last night. And... Um, all the families gathered around his bedroom and at this stage he, at this point he was not awake anymore but definitely you know he was at least laying peacefully but you could tell there's a lot and it was getting close so we sang a little bit more and prayed together and i felt a prompting from the spirit as i was getting ready to go last night to visit them remember that little wooden cross that sister bernadine gave me felt like I was supposed to hand it to Jerry. So I took it to the house. And there's Ruthie, his wife, sitting there. And I took out that cross. We talked a little bit about it. And Ruthie took it and she just slid it into Jerry's hand as he lay in that bed. He just squeezed it. The identification of the sufferings of Jesus. I left it there with it, just squeeze it. Different family members were coming over around the bedside, just putting their hands with his hands on the cross and to know Jesus is with you. 
the depth of your pain. You are not alone in it. You can identify with this. You say, well, where's the hope in that situation? The hope is that current is not eternal. The hope is that's not the end. If your current realities are not anchored in some life beyond this life, do you know the land that you're going to set up your house in? It's called despair. If current is all you have for your worldview, despair is what you're left with in an experience at the end like that. But because in Jesus, our current is not eternal, we can have an anchor for our soul that's formed around what? That up there is coming down here. Paul and Genesia, the renewal of all things is coming. And there is some air awaiting Jerry Rutledge on the other side of this life where there will no longer be any need for that morphine pump beside his head. There'll no longer be any need for all the tears being shed around that bed. There'll no longer be any need for the groaning and the moaning of the pain coming from the cancer that's ravaging his bones. That's Advent Hope, church. And Jesus can come in the middle of that situation. And he can bring something that I believe no one else can bring. Because he can stand there. I believe the nearness of Jesus with Jerry and that the veil of that room was so thin. And many of you have been there with loved ones. It just felt like the veil from that eternity to here and now was just so thin in that bedroom. It just felt like Jesus was coming. And then my phone rang this morning a little after nine o'clock and Monique left the voicemail. Jerry took his last breath this morning around 9 a.m. And isn't it just like Jesus to take him on the morning when Jerry has spent 83 years of his life rising on Sunday morning and making the procession with the saints into the house of the Lord and Jerry's procession this morning was unlike any other because his current is not as eternal. And he got some taste of some air. But Jesus says, hey, church, that's the anchor for your soul. Our Ruthie and Monique and the rest of this family not gonna cycle down in despair through this because they know this. They know that what they have right there is not the end. If you die in Jesus, you will rise with him. And Jerry Rutledge rises on Sunday morning around 9 o'clock. It wasn't just the Rutledges. I thought about so many of you guys' family, so many of you living out the last couple years of your life in, in degrees of moaning and groaning and sighing and crying and unanswered questions and what do we do with this, Lord Think of families like what the Sterlings have walked through this year, the Brabsons last year, the Dorados, the Walkers. They're all these, all of you guys have gone through so many things. And where's the anchor in this moment? The anchor is in this. You peel back the veil. Revelation 21 says, here is the day coming, the destiny guaranteed in Jesus. You grab a hold of this with both hands, that your current is not your eternal. It may feel exceptionally long in this life. So long, so hard, so difficult. But that current is not the end. Just like Sister Mary said, remember, that evil and darkness and pain and suffering and mourning and crying, that's not gonna get the last word. Jesus is gonna get that last word. Church, that's Advent hope. That's Jesus hope.
That's confident expectation that goodness is coming. And some of your Christmas 17, you might say, you know what? You're struggling to find the goodness. And here's what Jesus would say to you. Yep, you lift your eyes off of current and you set it on what's coming. There's your goodness. And you're guaranteed it in his name. It wasn't the only no longer he gave. He gave that to the Rutledge family and others of you here. But he said, did you follow the no longer that he's air that he's breathing is, how about no longer any curse? You ever thought about this with the curse? The curse is the Bible term for when we inherited sin when we were born. We've only breathed cursed air since we've been born. The curse is the consequence for when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and God pronounced a curse on the human condition. The curse explains why our default lever doesn't go Godward and righteous. If you're gonna drift in life, you're not gonna drift towards the Lord. You're gonna drift away and you're gonna find yourself in, caught up in a bunch of stuff you don't wanna be caught up in. You say, what's that default condition? It's the curse that explains why there's so much of a, a gap between a public persona and a private reality. You say, what's the, the curse explains that. The curse explains kind of the weight of the civil war you feel on the inside of the desire to do what is right, but powerless to carry it out. The curse explains all that. And what Jesus says, Polynesia in the renewal of all things, Revelation 21, Matthew 6, when up there comes down here, guess what gets to happen? Jerry Rutledge, around 9 o'clock this morning, took his first breath of curse-free air. Can you fathom what that's going to feel like? Man, of all the things I'm longing for in glory, that might be the most glorious yet. Can you fathom what it's going to be like when the default condition inside of you to sin is removed? Like sin nature gone. I, can you imagine that being lifted from you? How glorious will that be? John Eldridge puts it this way. I can't say it any better than he did. I, I put it in your notes. I love the quote so much. He said, finally, the totality of our being will be saturated only with goodness. Think of it. Think of all that you're not going to have to wrestle with anymore. The fear that's been your lifelong battle, the anger, the compulsions, the battles to forgive, the nasty root of resentment, no more internal civil wars, no doubt, no lust, no regret, no shame, no self-hatred, no gender confusion. What has plagued you these last many years, what has plagued you all your life, your healer will personally lift it from your shoulders. Hallelujah. How glorious is that? That's an anchor, church, for our soul that can lift us out of the pit of despair and depression and discouragement. Jesus knows it's long, and he knows it's hard. And that's why he says, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, up there is coming down here. And your current is not your eternal. What is is not what will be. And what will be will be no more mourning and no more curse. Can you imagine what that's going to be like have you ever tried to dream about like you minus your sinful nature, what that's gonna be like? Wow. If you're married, your spouse dreams about that a lot. Like you minus sin nature. Wow. Breathtaking. 
No more ego, no more pride, no more posing, no more pretending, no more false self. Just you in unhindered, unhindered, unfiltered, unblemished you. Wouldn't that be amazing? The you always God had in mind when he created you and he sent Christ to die for you and sent the spirit to fill you. You, that's the air. You know what? You get to spend eternity getting to know that you really well. You get to spend eternity doing that. You might have a long run in this life trying to figure out the real you, but Jesus said, hey, one day I'm gonna lift all that false stuff and you're gonna be just you in unblemished glory. Jerry Rutledge right now. Wow. And lastly, he said, what's the other no longer? No longer any old order of things. That phrase, old order of things, I think a good translation of that is everything that's wrong in this dark and sorry world, that's old order of things. Old order of things is this. Everywhere in your life where you've pointed and said, that's not right. Anybody had any of those? You might have had a lot of those this week. That's not right. That's wrong. Do you know that Jesus sees personally and collectively every single wrong? Do you know he sees that? Every wrong that's been committed against you, every dream that's been stolen from you, every heartache and heartbreak you've had to endure, do you know he sees all of those in its detail? And Jesus said, here's the anchor for your soul. At the renewal of all things, Jesus said, he's gonna set it all right. Hallelujah. All that's wrong is gonna get set right. Some of you are enduring some relationships and the relational dynamics are such where you just go, that's so wrong, that's so messed up. How's it ever gonna get turned around? Here's what Jesus said. You may not get it fully turned around in this life, but guaranteed in Jesus, the life to come, it'll be set right. Hallelujah. So you might have to endure some really difficult human relationships for your run here. And then when you're together in glory, it'll be the way it's supposed to be. That's what the Bible calls shalom, the way it's supposed to be. Won't that be unbelievable? And then on the global scale, can you imagine the moment when Jesus just says in the child trafficking industries of our world, that global darkness, I was on the phone with Tim Swearens recently. Tim's got some amazing articles released in 2018. We're gonna get him up here and do some interview with this this coming year. But I had an hour-long phone chat with Tim Swearens. And at the end of that hour, Tim, I was just going, I just hung up the phone call with you and I just started, Jesus, Long for the day when children are not sold into those realities. Paul in Tunisia, where Jesus says, I see every child in every corner of this world chained to whatever bed and sold into whatever. And Jesus said, you know what, one day I'm gonna set it all right. Justice is gonna rise and reign. He's gonna redeem and he's gonna restore and he's gonna heal and he's gonna rescue. No more slavery, no more abuse. Or this messed up starvation and dictators taking all the money and the people not getting any and starving and dying. What's Jesus gonna do about all that? Uh, Paul and Genesia at the renewal of all things. He'll set everything that's wrong. Old order of things is gone. He's gonna make it all do. And he says, hey, Simpson, hey, church, you grab a hold with both hands. The anchor for your soul is that. What is right now is not what will be, and what will be is glorious will be right. 
And then in the in-between, he will provide a companionship that only he can provide where he can say, I know, I see, I understand, I'm with you, endure, hold on, it'll be worth it. Friday goes into Saturday, Resurrection Sunday comes. And Jesus, that's our guarantees. So church, this is the confident expectation that goodness is coming. And this is how despair and depression and discouragement can maybe loosen their grip a little bit around the heart and just lift our eyes up. And remember one day, it won't be this way. We guarantee it. So here's what we're gonna do. Worship team's gonna come up. I ask them to kind of try to find a, a really song that I thought tied in well with where we landed with all this. So it's kind of a new song that if you want to sing along, fine, or maybe just want the words sung over you. I, I asked the team, can we sing hope into people with this song? Like sing some hope in, sing sing it in. Sometimes I know I need that. Just sing some hope in the middle of that. Um, and during this song, you know, some of you going through what you're going through, whether large or small scale, whatever, if you feel like the Lord's kind of stirring some things up in your heart through this morning, you may want to come and kneel here. Sometimes we got to do something with our physical body that kind of solidifies what we sense the Spirit's doing with the soul. That's a helpful thing. And I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe it's just something you just want to come up, you just want to pray, you just want to make a declaration of maybe you coming and kneeling is just saying you're grabbing a hold with both hands for the hope of what Jesus has promised. You're grabbing both hands for Advent hope and you want it to be an anchor in your soul. That's you can come and kneel and pray here. And then at the end of this song, I'm just gonna kind of lead us through corporate prayer together. Jesus, breathe your hope right now by the power of your spirit. Those who've come to kneel and those who in their own hearts are in their seats right now, just kneeling before you and just saying, we cling to you. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh. Bring light into darkness. Courage into the fear. Companionship and the loneliness. Breakthroughs with strength where we feel so weak. Right now, would you just forge an anchor? Hebrews 6 says that you would be that. By the power of your spirit, Jesus, you'd be an anchor for our soul. Thank you that this morning you say, hey, lift your eyes up and see there is a confident expectation that goodness is coming, that right now all these current realities, not the end of the story. You're going to get the final word. You're going to set it all right. You're going to restore and you're going to heal and you're going to